and welcome. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you. Whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. She's back. It's Dr. Seher Rokhead returning to The Emma Gunn Show. And you may remember Seher, the GP qualified in integrative medicine and a certified doctor of bioidentical hormone therapy from her previous appearances on the show where she's joined me to talk about hormones, the menopause, perimenopause, contraception, specifically the coil, uh, PCOS, endocrine disorders, and much more. And in this episode, we take it a lot further and boy do we boy do we cover a lot of ground it was only when I was listening back to it I realized quite how much there is in this episode but essentially what we try to come back to is what it really takes to make significant and long-term changes to your health and how you feel so if you're listening to this maybe you're feeling a little bit under par you're listening to it and you feel a bit run down and it's the same thing that crops up whether it's tiredness whether it's just feeling blah then this might just be the episode to help you unlock some ways to make sure that you get off that cycle and begin to feel better. Seher believes that health is a lot broader than just what your blood tests show. It's how you think, it's how you move, it's how your habits are, it's the people you interact with. And while medicine and supplements can play a role, it's really important to look at the bigger picture. And she feels this way because for a long time she was treating people who would come to see her and would say, and she would say to them, right, I've done your blood test and your bloods are fine. But how the patient felt hadn't changed or gone away. That feeling of, I'm just tired all the time, I just don't feel myself. None of that had gone away. The only data they had was the blood tests are fine. So it was just obvious to Sahar that at some point we had to look at the bigger picture and figure out what else could be influencing this feeling. And she's seen this rounded approach really work. Those patients who are engaged and look at every aspect of their lives do get better results. And she does say though, it's not easy. These changes are not easy. Plus, she knows this, not just from seeing it in her patients, but also because it's something she's done in the last few years. And we talk about it in detail in this episode. She's taken this approach in managing her own health too. So she's the first to say, oh, it is not easy but the rewards and the benefits are so worth it, so stick with it. So if you don't feel as good as you'd like to and the methods you're trying now aren't working for you, then Sahar's insights might just be what you need to hear today. So in this discussion, and trust me when I tell you, when I listed out everything we cover, it goes on for a while. It is such a broad conversation, so I hope it's really useful. But what we cover in this episode is what it can be like to look like you're doing okay on the outside when you're actually struggling on the inside anyone who has said to people around them you know I'm really struggling and the first response is oh but you seem fine we'll know how crushing that can be when actually you just want to be seen and heard and you want someone to say actually yeah do you know what you need a break or you need to cut yourself some slack we talk about why it's okay to want more out of life and how to get it so if you're not feeling great we talk about the fact that it's okay to say I need to prioritize myself so that I do feel better and the 
changes that you can make to help you feel that way. Why we shouldn't be beating ourselves up about how we eat, how we sleep, how we exercise, what we do, and not being disciplined enough. We can we can set the bar very, very high without realizing it. And I think something Sahar has seen, and definitely I know I've done this, and I've talked to my friends about this, you set the bar so so high for yourself that you have to be acting and doing in a certain way. And then actually you're just making you're just giving yourself a really hard time for not being a, a I don't know, a champion athlete or something. We also discuss why, even if you're not where you want to be, you're probably doing the best that you can with the tools that you have. And just think about that, the best that you can with the tools that you have, you're trying. And it's so important to put blame and guilt to one side and just park it and just move forward with purpose and sort of, again, take this 360 approach, look at things and figure out how you can move forward in a way that feels better and you feel better. How there are probably patterns that you don't even realize that you have or behaviors that you have that probably used to be really good for you and that's why you have them but actually now as time has evolved they don't work for you and how to learn new patterns and break the old ones and why sometimes this was a big one and this was from personal experience in my own personal private consultation with Sahara a few years ago why sometimes admitting what's really going on isn't a breakdown but a breakthrough even if you are sobbing it through heaving gulps and I don't know, snotty tears. Um, Body image and how you see yourself versus how other people see you. We've both gone through those periods in our lives where we haven't wanted to be seen. We felt embarrassed about how we look. So we dig into that. We also, we don't sugarcoat it. We talk about taking accountability for how you feel and being honest about how you might be contributing to the fact that you don't feel great and why sometimes that can be a first step why it's so tempting to want a pill or a supplement to be the thing that fixes how you feel. But when you think about it in the long term, that's never going to be the solution that you need and why you can't out supplement a bad diet or a bad lifestyle. Like if you're, I mean, we've all done it. You go out, have a big weekend and you sit at your desk on the Monday morning and you put a fizzy tablet into some water that's packed full of vitamins and you think that'll set me straight. Well, obviously it won't. I mean, it might make you feel a little bit better in the short term. We also talk about paying attention to what works for your body. Your body is unique and your body will respond to certain things in uh, different ways. And so it's finding about the things that work for you. We talk about stress. We talk about uh, the daily supplements that can be helpful if you are feeling under par. Not that there'll be a fix, but they might help. And we also, I asked Sahar to weigh in on this idea of uh, feeling that your hormones are out of whack and whether you can actually balance them if that's really a thing. And I guess what we, and we also cover calories in versus calories out and the other factors that can be at play when it comes to the things that can influence weight and weight gain and the um, struggle to lose weight. And I guess we also keep coming back to this thing that we've both had to do in our own lives, which is cut the crap, stop making excuses, be real and do the things that might be difficult, but are going to make you feel better. So there's a lot in this episode. I'm delighted that she's back. She's always so clear and concise and um, compassionate. So I hope that you enjoy this. All the links to Sahar, um, everything that we mentioned and her book will be in the show notes. But please do join me in welcoming back Dr. Sahar Roked onto The Emma Gunn Show. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Sahar Roked. What a pleasure to see you. How are you? I'm good, Emma. Good to see you too. It's been a while. 
It has, but that probably seems really fake because we've just had a little conversation. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> Such a media, how are you? Um, you are back on the show because you've been on a few times actually. And you did some excellent shows on hormones. And also we did a big old deep dive into thyroid once. And you also came on and asked, answered listener questions. But I wanted to speak to you again because I think there's, you have a brilliant holistic approach to health and the things that ail us. And I really want to tap into that because I think we can all feel troubled by tiredness, feeling wired, not sleeping, all of the, all of the modern stresses of life. And we try to do the right thing and maybe we're not joining the dots in the way that we need to. Definitely, definitely. And the reason why I work the way I work is for that very reason that you just said. I was seeing patients coming in who weren't ill, you know, all their bloods were normal and things, but then they were saying, I'm still really tired, I'm still really low, you know, I feel very low, but I've got no reason to feel low. There's something going on here. And as a traditionally trained doctor and GP, I was saying, oh, you're fine, you know, all your bloods are normal, don't worry about it. And I just wasn't being a lot of help, really. And then I started to learn about the functional medicine approach, the integrative medicine approach, how health is a lot broader than just what your blood tests show. It's how you think, how you move, um, the habits you have out in your, your life outside of the consultation, the people you interact with. Um, and it is also, you know, taking medicines and supplements and things like that when you need to. Um, so that's why I work in the way that I work now, because I find that health is just so much broader than just take a pill for every ill. Yeah, and it's um. You just reminded me then about something. It's the um. What is it? Your diet isn't just what you eat. It's what you consume. It's what you look at. It's what you read. It's who you engage with. It's exactly what you were just saying, and it will have an impact on your overall sense of self and sense of well-being. I guess. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I found that in my own life in different ways. I definitely see it with my patients. You know, the ones that are far more engaged in looking at every aspect of their life generally do get better results. Um, not that I'm saying it's easy. I know it's really tough to kind of face yourself, face your life, make changes. It's really, really tough. It's a process I'm still on. It's mm. still not something I've completely got sorted. So I'm not pretending to be something I'm not, but it's definitely a journey I'm on. And I think the more I learn about myself, my body, my health, the more I can help other people too. So I see it as like a service to everyone to kind of prioritize my health. Well, you say that and we can dig into this because listeners, we've agreed that we're just going to talk about our own experiences here, hoping that it will help. But you did a post a little while ago and you basically said, I'm here every day working with people, trying to help them. And yet I wasn't necessarily looking after myself in the right way. And you really did. Would you say it was an overhaul? I'd say it's been a process. <laughs> so it didn't just happen overnight at all. But it really started with just that kind of really deep feeling of wanting to feel better. You know, mm -hmm. it's not even I want to be better. You know, I want to achieve more. It's just like, I'm kind of on the outside looking like I'm doing okay to everyone else. But on the inside, I feel crap. I feel awful i feel probably depressed you know very low not functioning well definitely not engaging with healthy habits feeling like a hypocrite because i'm telling people to do one thing and doing the exact opposite and just really thinking do you know what 
I need more than this out of life for myself. I need to feel better. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be as authentic and real and truthful as I can be. I want to let go of other people's expectations about me. And I just want to feel fulfilled and feel like on the inside, I'm doing good for myself. And, you know, if we're just going to like dive straight into it, you know, we, uh, you know, you kind of just beat yourself up over and over again about the way you eat. Oh, I haven't had enough sleep. Oh, I wasn't going to, but then I ordered a pizza at 10 p.m. You know, I was going to go to the gym, but then I couldn't be bothered. So I just sat on the sofa all night and watched telly and ate crisps. You know, this is me. You know, I'm just talking about myself. I can relate to these things. And it's all very well trying to be disciplined, but there's only so far you can go with discipline. And actually, it has to be an internal shift. Mm -hmm. And for me, that internal shift was really diving deep into my mind, my behavior, um, the psychology behind why I did things, trying to resolve issues from childhood and trauma, and realizing that these things are learned patterns of behavior. And I was doing the best I could at that time with the tools I had. So taking away the shame and the blame and the guilt and just saying, okay, it's really painful to delve into issues, but I really want to be better. I want to be better so I feel better, so I serve better. So really just going into like all different modalities of therapy, talking therapy, psychotherapy, EFT, which is the tapping therapy, um, internal family systems therapy, inner child work, (laughs) you name it, I'm looking at it, right? And, you know, people have said to me, like, oh, don't you think it's better just to keep things locked in a box? And, like, if you start unravelling, what are you going to find? And I'm like, but I want to unravel it because I know that I am not fulfilled and I'm not happy living the life the way I am at the moment. So for me, the gain is bigger than the risk. So it's been a long process. And, you know, it's also involved like health retreats and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, looking at my diet, trying different things that we can talk about today as yeah. well that I found beneficial for my health. But for me, it's really started with that internal mind shift, taking away the shame and the blame and the guilt and just trying to just relax into who I am, really. I think I also did a post recently that you might have seen about someone has called me oversensitive and you know for a while I took that as a real like slam in the chest like oh I'm oversensitive oh, I'm always so sensitive but you know what I don't see it like that anymore because being sensitive to me is a gift mm-hmm. it helps me do my job well it helps me relate to people it helps me to be intuitive and to spot when there's something wrong from micro expressions and little reactions of people so I don't see it as anything to feel shameful about yes I can be a bit sensitive but there's also loads of great things about that it makes me a good friend a good doctor a caring person a compassionate person so we need to remove the negative stigma from these things that we have and from things that people have told us as well because we kind of hang on to that mm. go so and so said I was oversensitive and now I feel bad so it's actually I'm like no I'm okay with that yes I'm going to work on not being as reactive because that's not helpful in everyday situations but being sensitive I'm good with that as a highly sensitive person myself, um, <laughs> I and having nearly 44 years of life under my belt, the only people who've ever called me sensitive are narcissists. 
<laughs> so that's just a really good signpost to go, I, oh, I should, probably shouldn't spend any time with you or I should definitely keep you in the outer circle. So uh, highly sensitive people unite. Um, you said <laughs> something there, which I really want to uh, tap into actually, where you said about patterns and how you weren't feeling great, but you were doing the best that you could with the knowledge that you had. And I have described previously how well, the, you know, you talked about these patterns and breaking those. I remember when I started doing therapy saying, I've realized it's like you get a cloak, you get an emotional cloak. And what you don't realize is that every negative thing that happens to you almost like is a weight that gets pinned to it. And without realizing it many years down the line, you're moving very slowly because all of these things are weighing you down and you kind of get to unpick them and free yourself from the weight and the burden. I don't know why it was a cloak. I was probably watching a lot of Harry Potter at the time. <laughs> but um, I, I feel the same as true with those patterns in that they're like an Instagram filter and you don't realize that you've got this filter over your eyes and you're viewing the world through it but actually it's put there to to save you and keep you safe and uh, steer you away from harm but actually weirdly it can not be helpful or serve you in any way shape or form yeah it's almost like your mind thinks that this is helpful and um, it's like, okay, to be able to function and go out into the world, you have to wear this cloak. I love that analogy. I'm going to use it myself now. And you just My think, I, you. thank you. <laughs> and you, you just think, well, I need this cloak. It's keeping me safe. But actually, you don't realize if you actually shed it, there's so much more to life. You'll be lighter and freer and more capable and feel stronger without it. So quite often the protective mechanisms we put in place, which probably did serve us well at some point when we were younger, when we were less experienced, when we didn't have the sort of um, cognition to deal with the things going on, um, it did serve us at that point. But at some point we've got to like let the cloak go and be like, it's okay, I'm strong enough without this cloak. I can look after myself, I can parent myself, I can um, function in the world without the cloak. We're about to start using the word, word vulnerable, aren't we? <laughs> 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 about being vulnerable and being honest about your frailties, essentially. Yeah, and I think there's just, there is plenty of that these days, which is great, because I think people are being more open than they ever have been about things like anxiety, anxiety mental health issues, and that I really love. But mm. also, like you said, there is an Instagram filter on, on many things as well. <laughs> and I kind of see that as that is those people, that's how they function. That's their cloak. That's mm. their protective mechanism. But yeah. for me, that's not something I want to do anymore. So again, I did a post at the beginning of the year just saying I'm not going to do any touch-ups on my photos or any filters. You're going to have to see my double chin. You're going to have to see me with no makeup on. And that's just the way life is, right? <laughs> because I want to be real and authentic. So I'm just what I'm going to try and do. Um, and for me, that feels really comfortable now because I've spent a lot of my life with that cloak on. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's freeing to be like, hey, I feel comfortable just being as I am. But I know not everyone's there yet. Mm -hmm. So just because it's right for me and you, we're at a different stage of our evolution. And I think you have to respect where you are on that stage mm -hmm. as well. So don't yeah. be like, oh, Emma and Sahar said I can't use filters on Instagram anymore. That's not what we're saying at all. <laughs> Just be who you are, where you are, but also acknowledge, look, I'm not quite where I want to be yet. That's what I'm working towards. We're mm -hmm. all a work in progress. The growth never stops. Yeah. I think that's something we all need to learn as well. 
life is our biggest teacher. The things that happen to us are here to teach us and challenge us. Life isn't just about happiness and pleasure and fun. It's also about learning and evolving and just accept where you are on the journey and keep moving forward. Agreed. And you said so much there that I want to dig into. And I think one of the things actually is about this um, accepting where you're at. No, actually, I want to talk about when you're, it's almost how you want people to see you. So listeners, I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before, but I probably had my, not just my biggest, but potentially my ugliest breakdown in front of Sahar when I went to see, when I came to see you, what was it, about five years ago? Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, it was a case of, I was trying to apologize for the fact I was crying and I couldn't get the words out because it was just a big old a proper emotional dump. And I remember saying to you, and the thing that really tipped me over the edge that day was, I don't want people to see me. I've walked, I've taken a funny route to get to you today. Cause I, I don't, I walk like the side roads basically cause I don't want to bump into anyone I know cause I'm horrified about what they'll see. And actually the stress and the tension of of not of not wanting people to see what you are and only seeing what you hope you look like. I mean, mine was very much about my body image as much as what was going on internally as well and who I was as a person. But that's just, that's such a battle, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I've definitely felt that as well. Like, you know, you know you're not ready to be seen. You don't want to be seen. You don't want people to see who you really are because you don't like yourself so you think they're not going to like you mm-hmm. i think that's really interesting now see you and i remember that day differently because you <laughs> remember it as like this big breakdown i remember it's a big breakthrough uh-huh. so isn't, isn't that interesting how we see things differently and i'm like oh this is fantastic you know and someone feels comfortable enough to be and i was like kind of a stranger at that point right you know you totally. don't really know me at all and then sometimes you feel vulnerable enough to be comfortable with a stranger. And sometimes you can only be that vulnerable with a stranger. Mm. I found that as well, you know, with different therapists and people, you know, sometimes you feel like you can't be as expressive as you want to be with the people who know you because they already have a judgment, be it good or bad, of who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes it's just like a relief to kind of be vulnerable in front of someone. And you know, it's it's also very scary as well. I think the more you do it, the easier it gets. <laughs> so. well, I've always felt quite embarrassed about it, actually. I thought, oh, God, really? I'm, yeah, I've always thought, oh, God, Sahar's going to think I'm that knob who properly had a breakdown in front of Gosh, see, so I've never thought that. I've only ever, like, I see you on Instagram and I see how open you are. And I love looking at your Q&As and all that sort of thing and listening to the podcast. And I just think, oh, she's so authentic and real. That's what I love about you. Oh, well, thank you. I shall. I I will now see it as a breakthrough, and I shall yeah. put aside my shame that I carry about my snotty cry in your office. But if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, oh, I wanted to find out what supplements to take or what I can ask my GP for, there's a reason. There's a deliberate reason why you and I are taking quite a long run up to this because that is that is a part of it. But actually, I think a bigger part of it is taking accountability for how you feel what you might be doing and just being really honest and that is incredibly difficult because actually you get into these grooves of behavior like we've talked about that make you feel good but they're not serving you and to shift is is requires a lot of effort doesn't it yeah definitely it's really hard so emma and i aren't sitting here going oh it's really easy just like turn your life around tomorrow like i said for myself it's 
Um, I guess it's something I've always kind of been working on since my late 20s. But I'd say really the last sort of five or six years, I've made a lot of progress. So remember then, I'm, I'm 41 this year. So there's been like almost 10 years where I didn't really feel I was making very much progress at all. You're a Christmas baby too, aren't you? Yeah, our birthdays are just a couple of days apart, yeah, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. It does take progress, but it can be so tempting to think like, for example, when I came to see you, I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. I wanted hormones. I wanted uh, thyroxin. I wanted you to give me things that would mean that I could carry on living as I was living, but I would feel good and lose weight. And when I think about that now, when you just write that on paper, it doesn't make sense that that would be the right yeah. kind of fix, does it? Yeah, of course. And I've done the same thing too. So I'm not, again, being judgmental of that. I've been like, oh, I've booked a retreat for three months time. So for three months, I'm going to do whatever I want in my health and eat whatever I want and not exercise and just be crazy. And then I'm going to go on the retreat and I'm going to come back cured, essentially. So <laughs> I understand that mindset totally. And I do take supplements. Um, and I think supplementation is important. Mm -hmm. But I have also, you know, I also say to patients, you cannot out supplement a bad diet or lifestyle. So you're coming in just, oh, okay, I don't want medicine. I don't want medication. Just give me 10 supplements to cure me. And I'm like, mm, look, I've been there and done that. And that does not work. You cannot out supplement your bad lifestyle. So you've got to do it as part of the, the pictures, part of the pattern, really. And um, so that, that's always what I want to emphasize to people. There's no magic bullet. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're taking a good supplement program or say if you're taking hormones and you needed them, it can sometimes give you the energy and motivation and a bit of an oomph to make mm. the lifestyle changes. And then you're working in a joint up way. So some people come to see me really low and flat and, you know, the menopause has taken over or perimenopause is awful or PMS is just a nightmare. And taking the hormones or supplements can give them that extra boost to make the changes because they're like, I know what I need to do, but I just feel so weak and unmotivated at the moment. I can't do it. So that can be helpful. But I see the same thing where people do start taking the hormones or the supplements. They feel good initially. They don't make any other changes. And in six months, they're like, it isn't working anymore. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, that's because we didn't really get to the root of what was going on. Um, and I always say to people, you know, you might say have half an hour or an hour with me. What are you going to do for the other 23 hours? That's more important than what we're doing here. Uh, what we're doing is obviously important, so not minimizing <laughs> that. But you need to take that and then put it into all the other hours of your day and weeks and months. Because if I'm going to see you every two or three months... What are you doing in between that? That's more important than what we're discussing in the consultation. So I think part of my role is to really empower people to understand their bodies, understand that health isn't just taking a pill or the absence of disease. Well, I'm not ill. I'm not well, but I'm not ill. Um, I went on a functional medicine course and one of the questions they asked us practitioners was, when was the last time you felt really well yourself? And then that hit a little nerve with me because I'm like, oh, not for quite some time actually at that time. And I'm like, wow, I've got a lot more work to do than I thought. Um, so I think that we all need to look at health as more than the absence of disease. 
Absolutely. I, do you know what? That's made me think about when I was staying with friends once and was living with them between flats. And one morning I got up and I said, oh, I feel a bit achy today. And one of them just said, do you ever wake up and feel well? And again, it sort of did that thing where I thought, ouch, that stung. Yeah. But I mean, I hadn't even realized every morning I would wake up and I was in this routine of immediately try, immediately identifying and then verbalizing what didn't feel good. It was like, oh, I, my stomach doesn't feel good this morning or I feel a bit foggy. And that's what I was thinking about, not thinking, not shifting my perspective and thinking, about something about me that would have felt good and there probably would have been something but I was in that yeah. mode of only focusing on the negative yeah definitely and I think that we also have our, our bar for what's normal has shifted mm -hmm. so we all think well oh well I'm bloated every morning but that's normal isn't it people are always saying they're bloated oh I've woken up with a headache but that's okay lots of people have headaches you know I feel really foggy my you know my arm hurts or my leg hurts and we need to change the bar a little bit and not be like oh okay it's a disaster because my my leg hurts a bit but but be like okay this is a sign. These are signs from my body that something isn't in balance. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to ignore the signs until it becomes a big, massive problem. I'm going to think, okay, what can I do about the signs and how can I shift them? Yeah, I mean, even just bloating. Uh, I was chatting, I had dinner with a friend the other night and I was saying, I used to have IBS. That umbrella term, it was the classic, lots of different IBS symptoms. And I used to chew all sorts of uh, stomach relief things, you know, yeah. the things that would make you uh, not bloat, the things that would help you pass wind, all of, the, all of it, all of it I would take. And actually the biggest shift is gaps between meals and I don't have IBS. And I was saying that it's such a conflict because in my head, I, I mean, instinctively I'm a grazer, but my body likes for me to have a nice period between every meal and if I have mm. that then my digestion's like clockwork and it took me years to figure that out. Yeah that's actually a really important point between like you said you naturally would be a grazer but your body does not like it and mm. I think a lot of us have different things like that you know I would well I do often like to have a big meal in the evening but I know my body does not like that. And if I have my big meal at lunchtime and then I stop eating by six o'clock, my body likes that a lot more. I like to do weights and do weight training and strength training and dance cardio and things like that. And I still do do it. I think it's good in different ways. But I know my body likes me to do yoga. So I need to listen to my body and incorporate mm. some of that as well. That's interesting. Actually, can we talk about something that I've only really discovered in the last week? And it's um, postprandial walking. Yeah. Is that a thing? Could you explain that to me? Because essentially, I read it on a post, which we might come back to, about um, PCOS and insulin mm. resistance and what have you. And basically, like, if you can, do some gentle exercise after you eat. Obviously, not jumping up and down, but go yeah. for a walk. Does it help? Yeah, it can be helpful. It just helps your body to digest better. Because I think a lot of what of, uh, I do it occasionally too, you have a big meal in the evening, you then sit and watch Netflix for an hour and then you go to bed. 
and then you're 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 done basically. So that's not helping your digestive process. And it's something I do naturally at lunchtime these days now when I, when I'm at work especially because we don't get enough daylight at the moment because it well I'm not going to go into how dark it is all the so time but we we all know we we're all living through it we all understand. So what I force myself to do is I have my lunch and then I go for a walk around the block just for 10 to 15 minutes to get a little daylight, a little fresh air, help my circadian rhythms and mm-hmm. help my digestion. And I do feel, you know, you often get that two or three o'clock slump in the afternoon. I, I don't get that after I do that. So it's yeah. something I've noticed for myself quite recently as well. Yeah, a little bit of movement. Um, I tend to, I try to do after I eat a good hour, like do some yoga or something. Just so oh, that's that the- good just so that the evening isn't just eat and stop yeah yeah exactly but it's not like eat and get up and have to put gym clothes on or yeah just literally get the roll the mat out and do some twists and a few child poses and it's amazing how amazing that can feel okay so a lot of the questions that have come in because i asked in the facebook group about the things that people were curious about you know good health choices for 2022 and i know you've written a whole book about this the type type is cure isn't it it is yeah um a lot of people are messaging about struggling with any i mean i would say they say tiredness but i think we're probably looking at a bigger 24-hour period of energy levels maybe and that's what we need to look at in order to find the answer to the tiredness issue Yeah, for sure. Now, I don't think we can minimise what people have been through over the last 18 months or so Mm. with the pandemic, lockdowns, uncertainty. Our brain doesn't do well with uncertainty, which is why when we're trying to make an old habit, a new habit, we can fall into the old habits quite easily Mm. because our brain's like, that isn't working for me, but at least I know where I'm at with it. So I'm going to keep doing that habit. So um, we can't minimise the amount of stress going on. And even if you think, well, I haven't been that stressed overall compared to other people, I get that, but you probably have still internalized it, you know, Mm. watching the news, not seeing people you care about, working in a different way to how you normally work. Your diet completely changed, like we talked about, what you're consuming daily, yeah. Exactly. So I think that that's really important to take on board. And stress definitely affects the way we perceive our energy and our mood and our motivation. So that's something I talk to people a lot about. And I think something that's really important to do is to start monitoring yourself. So if someone comes to me and says, oh, I've got low energy, I'll say, "Okay, when, you know, what time of day is it? How do you sleep? Does it vary throughout a day? Um, Is it cyclical, which is really important for women who are still having periods? Because our energy does naturally vary as our hormones shift throughout a cycle. Mm. So that is very important to be aware of as well. Um, And then I'd say, okay, we are going to do some investigations, of course, but I want you to go home. And until I see you again, I want you to track this every single day your energy, the time of day, it varies. If there's anything else associated, so do you get bloated when you get tired? You know, is it at certain points of the cycle, like I said? Um, Is it at certain times of the day? Is it after eating certain foods? How do you feel after you exercise? Do you feel good and energized or do you feel more sluggish? All these things are really important and you kind of have to become an expert on yourself. Mm. because 
there are doctors out there, great doctors, nutritionists, naturopaths, um, PTs, you know, everyone is brilliant at what they do. But you are the only person who can be an expert on yourself. And when someone comes in and they tell me, I've been monitoring these things and this is what I've seen. And I know it sounds a bit weird, but this is when my energy's low. I don't say, oh, that is weird. That can't be possible. <laughs> I go, okay, that isn't something I've heard before. But if you're telling me you're monitoring this and this is what you're finding, I completely believe you 100%. Let's work with that because I want the person in front of me. I'm the doctor, right, with the qualification and all that, but you are the person with the PhD in you. So I want you to know all about you and I'm gonna work with you and listen to you and work with what's going on for you. To me, it's really important to get in tune with yourself, with your psyche. It's like when people say to me, oh, I didn't sleep last night, but I never sleep when it's a full moon. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. I, I believe them, you know, I'm not like, I don't think there's evidence for that, you know. I'm like, okay, you've known yourself for 40-something years. If that's what you're telling me, that's fine. We know that. Let's work around that then. How does it vary other times in the moon? I don't know that much about the moon. Why don't you tell me about it? You know, I'm interested. You've got to be curious and open to help someone in front of you because if you're not curious and open, they're not going to confide in you. They're not going to tell mm. you what's really going on because they feel the shame and, and the blame and the guilt. So it's about taking away those barriers and going, just tell me everything and we'll work with it. That's okay. Side note, I do give some credence to the moon thing because I've okay. seen mid midwives and bouncers all say yeah. the full moon is something that you just like, you don't want to be on those shifts. Yeah, it's definitely a, a thing row. when I worked in A&E. It was definitely a thing. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, well, we, I mean, um, we talked a little bit earlier about me saying, uh, coming in and basically wanting you to give me a prescription that would fix everything. And we know that it's about taking a bit of a step back and doing this monitoring. But are there, let's talk about supplements, because I am asked quite frequently on Instagram about the kind of supplements I take. And I always just say, I don't feel comfortable because I don't have any expertise. Like what I take is because I am very lucky in that I can text somebody like you or a dietitian and say, what kind of doses of magnesium should I take? But then I don't think it's appropriate for me to then parrot what you, you've said. I think it's more responsible for me to steer people towards the people who've spent the time in school learning and who know what they're talking about. So when it comes to supplementation, should you, could you just go to the health shop, pick up, yeah, I know I need energy vitamins. I know I probably need vitamin C. I've been told I need vitamin D for immunity. That kind of thing of going and getting a bag of vitamins for, you know, one for a penny. Yeah. <laughs> buy one, get one for a penny. Um, is that helpful or is there a better way of doing it? So I don't think that's helpful. And I think that's why a lot of people go, oh, I don't want to take supplements because I've done supplements and they didn't do anything for me. And I get that. It's frustrating. If you just go in, you're like, oh, I've heard vitamin C is good. Oh, maybe I'll grab this one and that one and that one. And then you like take them all for like a month and you're like, mm, they didn't really do anything. I completely understand that. So what my approach is, is that when I see someone, I look at the symptoms they're having and then based on the symptoms, I make recommendations for supplements. So um, again, blanket supplementation is not a, a great thing. But, you know, if I just give you some examples. So you mentioned vitamin D. Vitamin D 
is a great thing to take for the majority of people. Um, if we look at the more European standard doses than the UK recommended doses, you'd be looking at 1,000 to 2,000 IU a day. And you could, in most cases, take that safely throughout the year, every day. However, what I do with people is I check their vitamin D levels. Because too mine. much... I did, yeah, because too much of a good thing is not good either. So too much vitamin D, you start losing all the health benefits of the immune boosting and, um, yeah, and all the sort of like, you know, heart protection and cancer prevention and energy boosting. You kind of lose that protective factor. So I always do like to check it with people. Um, And someone asked me quite recently, oh, but what if my GP won't do it? And I think the great thing these days is that um, obviously people can come and see someone like me, but... If you didn't want to do that or you're not in a position to do that, you could go to somewhere like Medichex or Threva mm. that do affordable blood tests and you can get a whole range of things checked at quite an affordable price. So I do think that that's quite good quality um, as well because I often I do see patients who work with those companies and I'm very happy to look at those blood results also. Yeah, when I have my regular blood test for my hair loss through my trichologist, I, I don't go to the expensive place to get it done I get the thing that you do through the, yeah. the post and they're brilliant yeah yeah and, and they I'm sure they're happy to work with those results and I'm happy to work with that too for patients so I feel like that kind of just makes sense really um if you know you don't want the cost of a blood test to be a barrier to treatment so mm-hmm. I certainly don't with the people I see um so again you know if we're just being broad because like I said I'd individualize it to the person I see in front of me the first thing I'd probably do is make sure they're taking a good brand. So I would normally recommend uh, brands, and I'm not endorsed by any of them, so that's not why I'm recommending them. Um, brands like Nutri Advanced, mm-hmm. BioCare, Cytoplan. Some of the Solgar products are quite good, but um, some of the capsules or the tablets can be quite big, and I know that puts some people off. Yeah. But you, you kind of want to look at these type of brands because they... Um, normally are capsules um, they just have the the less filler than in if it was tablet form they're good quality they have good um, quality checking they do research on their products as well so I think that that's really important as well so mm-hmm. brands are definitely good as well there are other good brands as well that I haven't mentioned like nature's plus and 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 um things like uh, pure encapsulation so you know there are lots of good brands there but I think sometimes the reasons why people don't find it effective is because of the uh, brand or perhaps the dosage they're not using then isn't right yeah I mean this is a bit of a side note and a bit of a tangent but I remember when I had Dan Murray Serta from Heights on he was talking about how you can say that supplementation is an odd one because you can say it's got something in but it only has to be a very minimal amount but you could still put it on the label yeah or something like that so yes the, the good brands is really important yeah. and actually this is something quite interesting here because um i came to you uh, very tired very lethargic with a lot more weight than i wanted to have on me and i was looking for you particularly when we did the thyroid was looking for you to be able to say yep click now you need this so to me, there's kind of this measure of, okay, say you decide to do one of these postal blood tests, but you're feeling a certain way. What if the tests don't match the feeling? So this is something I see a lot of because people do often come with something in mind, you know, mm. uh, well, why wouldn't they if, you know, you're coming to see somebody, you know, you're like, I think my hormones are off. Yes. I think my thyroid's off. I am 
positive that I've got this issue. And I'm very happy to go with that and check it. But I'm obviously not going to give you thyroid medicine if your thyroid is not off. Obviously, I'm not going to do that. It's completely unethical. But what I'm going to say to you is, I believe you have these symptoms of tiredness, energy, mood, weight, whatever. This is not the cause of it. So it's great we've ruled something out. And that's yeah. sometimes where it ends with your GP. Yeah. You don't have this problem, good news. And you're like, but I still feel terrible. Um, and I'll go, okay, let's work together and figure out what is causing this problem. Because that's so, where I think a lot of people feel abandoned. Because Yeah. And I remember we, we talked before on the show about how if you go and have a hormone test at your GP, it will essentially, the normal is just quite a narrow it's not necessary it doesn't give you a full picture essentially and yeah. so i know even this week somebody i referred you post uh, copied you on a post where somebody had said their gp hadn't done a full hormone profile and i sort of deferred to you because that's an expensive test that you wouldn't necessarily yeah. expect a gp to do yeah yeah definitely and it's about you know obviously you know i'm not in that room so you know i don't know what exactly what the symptoms are what's going on you know what the gp suggested but yeah, I mean, sometimes if we want something that isn't available on the health service, then going somewhere like Threva or Medichex or something like that is a great option. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to realise, you know, uh, you know, GPs are getting quite bashed at the moment, you know, because of the long waiting list. Yeah. So oh, I'm not able to see GPs and things. But, you know, they're working with limited resources as well. And they're really busy. And I think traditionally we're taught our first port of call is to go see the GP. Um and I get that, but the GP has to know a little bit about everything because someone could walk in with any problem and you don't have a warning what they're coming in with. I know that as a GP. And um, obviously everyone takes their own background and skills and expertise into that role and often people of a specialist area. But we actually sometimes have to go, if I think there's something wrong and I'm not quite getting the answer I want from my GP, or my GP isn't able to help me in this way, then I'm going to seek out the answer in some way. You know, I'm going to go and get a blood test done with MediChecks, which, you know, hopefully will be within a budget that is, is okay for that person. I'm going to have a look at the resources online. There's so much stuff online now, which is amazing. You know, I'm going to get a book and start learning and reading and implementing things. I'm going to see a nutritionist. So I think there's lots of things that we can do. And if we're not quite getting where we want with the GP, we can, okay, well, I'm going to table that for now and I'm going to see what I can do on my own. And we live in this amazing information era now, more so than ever before, where we can find the in, in, uh, answers on Instagram or YouTube or from a great book. So I do mm -hmm. think it's also about seeking out alternatives and not just giving up completely. Yes, it is about taking a much bigger step back and about looking at all sorts of things not just these not just and if you do feel a certain way and a doctor says well there's nothing that i can treat you for it doesn't mean that what you're feeling isn't valid it just means that the answer lies elsewhere not yeah. that you've been not that you've been abandoned yeah definitely definitely so don't feel abandoned don't give up just go okay i'm going to look at a different route to to try and solve this issue Okay. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and it's the thing I got the postprandial from, is um, Chloe Maidley, excellent yeah. fitness trainer. And she wrote a post the other day about PCOS and fitness. 
And I know I and I know I read it and was triggered because I read her post and thought, oh, that was me for such a long time. And I think I thought for a very long time that because I had PCOS, that that's why I gained weight. That's why I was sluggish. That's why it was just I have X. So this happens to me or I have PCOS, so I can't do this or I have PCOS, so I can gain weight more easily. And uh, she was talking about how that's the mental approach that actually gets in the way, because fundamentally, when you're talking about fitness and PCOS, it might be a little bit harder in the sense that you probably have to be in more of a, you're probably your base metabolic rate is probably lower, I think. I have to go back to her post to double check. So it might mean that you need a greater deficit than a lot of other people, but fundamentally resistance training, cardio, all of those things will work for you. But I spent years thinking I'm in the gym and it's not working. And we know that that mental disconnect might have even made the problem worse. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And again, these are all the messages we tell ourselves. So you're like, oh, well, I'm always going to be overweight because it's in my genes. Um, Or you might say, oh, you know, people in my family don't really do fitness. So so I don't exercise, you know. Um, And these are the things we tell ourselves. And you know, don't want to be harsh about it, but a lot of it is just excuses. So, um, you know, we have to also be real about it and say we need to kind of sometimes just cut the crap, cut the crap we're telling ourselves, cut the crap we're feeding ourselves, and we just have to kind of be real. Um, and, And that's okay, you know, if you needed to tell yourself that at that time to get through, I think that that's okay, you know, but now you can be like, Okay, that's that's not a thing. I think I read a post on Instagram not that long ago, <laughs> and I found that a bit triggering as well because it's a bit like, oh, um, you know, sometimes successful women use their success as a a barrier to sort of achieve the goals they really want, maybe in relationships or or weight or fitness, and go, oh, it's because I'm busy focusing on my career, so so it's okay. And I'm like, mm, I find that a bit, oh. but then I thought actually. I think there's an element of truth there for me. You know, I do use my work as an excuse, maybe not to do some of the things that are more important to me as as priorities. And and I think it's about if you do find something like that, you know, I think you could say that about anything you see that you find slightly triggering. You'd be like, why? Why is that upsetting me? Is it because I'm comparing myself? Is it because I feel jealous that they're achieving things that I'm not achieving or envious in some way? And I think it's just about being like, that's okay. It's okay to feel that way. And use it as fuel. Mm. Use it as fuel. So you can be like, you know, oh, so-and-so used to be overweight and now they're not overweight. And now I feel like jealous that they're, they're, they're not overweight and I'm still overweight. And you'd be like, okay, that's okay. Use that as fuel. They've done it. You can do it. Make it your priority make it your priority. I follow someone on Instagram and they're always in the gym at like midnight. And I'm like, oh, well, that's the time I have to exercise. And I'm like, hmm, you really can make time for it if you want to, you know, you can just, you really can find that time. We can all find that time for something that's important. I always find time to watch my favorite show of an evening, you know? So, like, so we've got to just kind of get to that stage where we're like, I'm willing to take responsibility. And it's not, like I said at the beginning, it's not about blame or shame. It's just about going, that's where I am and this is what I'm doing. But I think what I did for a long time, and I'm sure listeners can relate to this, is I used to think that being fit, slim, 
being fit and slim, because it was a body image thing for me, was looked a certain way. And that meant working out, being at the gym when it opened and doing it all the time, sometimes working out twice a day and it being exactly, it being my identity, you know, you talk yeah. about being a successful woman and that being your identity, but it was like, if you wanted to be fit and healthy, it had to be your identity. And I remember going to a party years and years ago and someone saying to me, you know, you can have a conversation with someone without mentioning the fact that you go to the gym. Because I was having real <laughs> success for the first time with working out and I felt the best I'd ever felt. Um, this is before I then cycled it back on again. But I obviously, I didn't realize it was all I could talk about. And I think there's that thing of, if you want to be fit and healthy, it has to look a certain way. You have to wear the right kit, all the gear, no, all the gear, no idea. But it, it doesn't need to be like that, does it? No, it doesn't. And I think we all need to just find what looks right for us. Yeah. And whether that's, you know, the way you exercise, the type of exercise you do. Um, you know, I know you do a lot of the home workouts and things like that. And, you know, that's really good as well. So it's not all about just being in the gym. It's also about doing things at home and consistently. And yeah, I think one of the other things for me, just kind of based on what you were saying, obviously you were really proud you were having success and, and doing well in the gym and you felt good about it. Sometimes until you're confident with your goal, maybe just keeping it to yourself for a bit. <laughs> and like, not in a bad way. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with telling people. Obviously you were really proud that you were doing well in the gym and looking good and feeling good. But I know sometimes for me, I then self-sabotage. Mm-hmm because I'm like so happy with myself and I'm like, this can't possibly last. So I'm going to sabotage it. <laughs> and like, well, the thing unconsciously, is... completely yeah. unconsciously, of course. So sometimes I just keep like little goals to myself and I'm like, I'll tell people when it's done. Obviously that's not the same with like fitness and, and weight loss and things like that. Cause people can see it happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I wouldn't ever, you know, if someone says to me, oh, you've lost weight, I'd never be like, oh, really? I didn't notice. It just <laughs> fell off because I feel like that's really harsh as well for people because it is a struggle. It is hard. You know, mm. we're both in our 40s. You know, it's hard to keep and maintain your weight for mm. sure. So I never minimize that and be like, oh, yeah, I have lost weight, but I've also worked really hard at it. You know, mm. I haven't just... And it's also come off slowly. That's the other thing, you know, you see some people and you're like, oh, the weight just fell off them in two months. Why has it taken me almost a year? But you're like, that's okay, because at least it's going in the right direction, you know. So, yeah, I think weight's very emotive, isn't it? And I think especially because a lot of people have put on weight in lockdown as well. Mm. I think a lot of people have found that really difficult because obviously they've been really well, it's not their fault they've been sedentary. You know, you weren't really allowed out for like a long period of yeah. time. And again, it's just cutting yourself that slack and going, what can I do to move it forward a little bit? What can I do? And I know we were both kind of fans of the intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. um, you know, moving a little bit more every day. Um, but then, you know, I spoke to a patient a few days ago who's lost a lot of weight and is unhappy about it. And she's sick of people saying to her, you look ill, you oh. know? So, you know, when you have, you know, we always, well, for myself, I always think about weight gain, you know, mm -hmm. oh, no, I've gained weight, oh, I've got to lose weight. But people struggle on the other end of the spectrum yeah. too. And again, I think people feel it's more acceptable to make comments about someone's weight loss. Oh, you look a bit ill. You look a bit drawn. You're very stressed out. Is this, are you ill? Um, but people don't really say that if you've gained weight. So again, mm -hmm. it's about just being sensitive to what other people are going through because we're all in different stages. 
Yeah, I often get asked, you know, just tell me the diet that you did or what workouts do you do? And I, again, I try not to be too explicit because yeah. what works for me might not necessarily work for somebody else. And equally, I, I, and also I think if you figure out what meals work for you and are going to make you feel good and what exercise makes you feel good, then it's it, you're going to stick with it, aren't you? Yeah. But just uh, doing what I do. But I feel that responsibility to not just say, this is how I did it. And someone asked me the other day, like I said, how did you do it? And I had to be really honest and say, it's basically, unfortunately, it is diet and exercise. But I didn't have access to those things in a way that were, that I could use them to help me until I yeah. untangled the emotional issues around both of those things. Because I have always been active I've always worked out and I always yeah. thought I was eating pretty well I mean I genuinely I mean considering the job of being like a health and beauty writer for such a long time it's absurd that I was getting it so wrong but it was actually I didn't have I needed to untangle the emotional stuff in order to be able to make better food choices and then yeah and then it doesn't feel like a diet or or anything it's just oh I I know that constantly doing that thing or you know, the behavior that wasn't serving me, I was able to leave it behind. Yeah. And so it's really frustrating to then sort of, when people do say it's calories in versus calories out, I know that that's quite controversial, but I sort of think, well, it's worked for me, but only once I was able to figure out the, the complicated stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yes, it is, there is an element of calories in, calories out. Definitely, for sure, of course. But... You know, if you are running old patterns, if your cortisol is very high, that's going to cause your body to be inflamed. And your body on a sort of primitive level feels threatened and then you're storing fat. So, um, you know, we, we've got to think about it in that rounded way, exactly like you said. Um, and it's it's not just what you eat, it's the way you eat. You know, is it... Is it, you know, I always think having a king size bar of dairy milk at home because you're depressed is very different to enjoying a lovely dessert when you're mm -hmm. out with friends. Very different feelings behind it. One is about pleasure and joy and happiness and the other one's about suppressing emotion. Mm. So I think looking, you know, let's not make food wrong. And, you know, I know there are people who say have great success with the keto diet or great success with another type of diet and none of them are wrong but it's about finding out what works for you um and i think just not making certain foods wrong either mm -hmm. and just being a bit more relaxed about it but i think you can only do that when you've taken away the emotional component of the eating yeah and i've had so many guests on this podcast like i had the hypnotherapist um marissa peer on and she said yeah. sometimes people want to be they don't want to be a certain size uh, in in their sort of brain they're like I, I I don't know why and then you do some work with them and it transpires that they they hate the idea of um being seen as weak and so there's this emotional tie between their relationship with food and what have you so it is really really complicated so when you're just handed a here here's 1500 calories stick to that you can't do it if you have something in the way no whatever that might be the, these old yeah. things that we've talked about yeah and, and food is so food's so emotional isn't it you know there's so many memories attached to food and childhood and you know 
moments of joy and moments of sadness, you know, and I think that we can't minimize that either because food's a very, it's an emotional subject for a lot of people to talk about, but also actual foods kind of evoke emotions in us sometimes. Mm, yeah. Okay. That Well, that one could be a conversation that could go on for 90 <laughs> minutes. So yeah. <laughs> before we get on to listener questions, actually, I just want to quickly ask you about... Um, this idea of being able to balance your hormones, I think it was you who said to me at every single every single day during your cycle, if you are still menstruating, your hormone profile will look completely different. So yeah, you can't, if you did a blood test on day one versus day 20, um, we would be analyzing completely different data. So is this idea of you can balance your hormones a thing? Yeah, I think it definitely is a thing because we're, we're not, yes, they are gonna vary every day throughout your cycle, particularly week by week, but they they can still be out of balance at different times of the cycle. So I think that's what I mean, like you were not gonna stop them shifting and changing, and that's not gonna happen until we're in menopause, basically. Mm -hmm. And then you can take the consistent amount of HRT every <laughs> single day and be balanced in terms of that. But yeah, they are gonna vary. Um, over over a period of time, but we can still get them in a better balance at certain times because we we know what the physiological normal is, mm. and then we can work towards that. Okay, so if someone says my hormones are out of balance, I need to balance them. Is that something that you might know intuitively, instinctively, or is it likely the the only thing, the kind of thing that you can only know if you have the data? Well, I would definitely want to explore what they mean by that more and what they think. So why do they think the hormones are out of balance? What's going on? What are the symptoms they're having? And then work from there, basically. And also, you know, if someone says, you know, I used to have PMS for two days before my period and now I'm having it for two weeks... Yeah, there's something going on there. Mm. That doesn't sound right. So I understand that. Um, but yeah, I think it's very much about just exploring what's going on and and why they feel the way they're feeling, uh, uh, why they think their hormones out of balance. And then we can try and figure out what's going on. So the the symptoms are always very real. You know, we can't go, oh, the bloods were normal. You don't have any symptoms. If someone's telling you they have symptoms... They have symptoms, basically. Mm. So I'm not minimising that at all. Yeah. Okay. That's lovely to hear. So um, just from the Facebook group, because I know that my time with you is drawing to a close. Um, someone has asked that they would like some advice on how to fight the bone-crushing tiredness of perimenopause. Despite being on HRT, I'm so tired and all I want to do is eat carbs and sleep. So I'm putting on weight and I hate myself. I try and eat less and get even more tired. Any tips on breaking that cycle? Sounds like that person's really struggling. So, mm. you know, I've got a lot of empathy there, you know, and, and perimenopause can be a really difficult time. Um, obviously, she's on HRT, so the hormone aspect is looked at. Mm. But what we don't know about is the lifestyle aspect. And it's really hard to make changes when you do feel that tired and weak. I can completely relate to that. So I'm not going to say oh, you know, just go for a run every day. But what I would say is try and get out every day for a walk for at least 20 minutes. Get mm -hmm. out into the fresh air. Um, what time are you turning off your devices? You know, we need to give our brain a rest from all of that because it's very mentally draining and then that can make us feel tired as well. Um, looking at 
perhaps not completely overhauling the diet, but mm. saying, right, what can we put in? How many fruit and veg are you getting a day? Are you getting the minimum of five a day? Let's put that into the diet. So I would say let's try and make a few small changes and see if they make a difference. But do those changes consistently. Yeah. And I think that could help rather than going, right, you need a complete overhaul. You know, start working out with a trainer every day, cut, completely cut all this sugar out of your diet and stuff. It is going to be a benefit. But if you're feeling quite weak already, it's quite hard. So let's add some things in that are nourishing mm. and see if that makes a difference. Okay, that's a lovely one. Um, another one would be what to implement first when you feel so tired all the time. And when is it time to call your GP? So... Um, Again, I would say let's start with lifestyle and look at the, the sort of pillars of lifestyle, right? So we've got what we eat, um, sleep, um, how we move and stress. So I'd look at those four key areas and look at if there are changes that can be made in those areas. So I think that would be important to start with. Mm. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with calling the GP and asking for a check and making sure you're not anemic, your iron's okay, um, your thyroid's fine. I think that's a, a really good idea, in fact. There's no, no harm with that as well. But maybe alongside, look at the other changes. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like yeah, it's the lifestyle stuff, isn't it? It's the yeah, it isn't a supplement or a prescription. No, um, it's the, and it's the hardest thing to change. Yeah. So I've got a lot of empathy. I get it, but without that piece, then the puzzle won't be solved. Mm. And I know you are the author of the tiredness cure, and obviously, listeners' <laughs> link to that will be in the show notes. But the next question is, and it's just tips for feeling tired but wired, please. So tired and wired is normally an adrenal or a cortisol issue. So I would say it's really important to have a wind down routine. So it's often in the evening you feel tired and wired. Mm -hmm. um, there are things here that people are not going to like, but, you know, you probably do need to avoid alcohol if that's the way you're feeling. Um, and caffeine, I'd say minimize it to maybe one cup first thing. If, if that's you know, if you need something to get you going, they really do mess with your biochemistry um, and I think I saw a post on your Instagram quite recently someone asked you about what what should they do because they can't drink wine anymore now that they're in the perimenopause and I'm really sorry to say my answer is you just got to accept it your body's changed <laughs> your biochemistry's changed you can drink wine and feel terrible mm. or you can not drink wine and feel a bit better but actually on a practical note about that question, most people can tolerate spirits better than they can wine. So, so I'd probably say if you, you, you might have to switch your, your drink of choice, but we have to look at these things as things that we find socially acceptable can be toxic as well. Mm -hmm. So we, a sugar, alcohol, too much caffeine. And again, sugar is going to make you feel wired and tired as well. And I get it. You're really tired. So the natural thing to do is to reach for some caffeine and sugar but in the long run, it's going to make you feel worse. Um, supplement wise for adrenals, I always do recommend ashwagandha. And it seems to work in the majority of people who I do recommend it to. There are a few people who go, it didn't really do much for me. I get that. But for the majority of people, it does seem to work really well. at sort of just calming down that nervous system. Mm. And something that I've really, really found helpful is um, this device called Sensate. 
Um, and Sensate's a, a little, um, it's almost like a little pebble, and you use it with an app. I've heard of it. And yeah, so it works to help your parasympathetic nervous system and strengthen your vagus nerve. So it's helping your adrenals to get re- rebalanced. And I have found it absolutely amazing. I tried it myself before I recommended it to anyone. Um, I definitely sleep better if I'm a bit wired and stressed, got things on my mind. It really helps to get me into a more calm and meditative state than meditation alone because my mind's all like all over the place you know so so that really helps as well so I think something like that could be really helpful to look at too okay interesting I saw that and I think I thought I'm very skeptical of any devices that say they can make any substantial difference but I will definitely give it another look and then um we'll fit one more in uh what would you recommend when you're wanting sugary foods because you're feeling tired and need energy to get through the day I'm starting to rely on sugar to keep me going as I don't like coffee yeah so that's hard because like I said I can completely relate to that my advice would be to either go for dark chocolate 70% plus because you you get the health benefits from the cacao in that as well or to make something yourself so you know you could make flapjacks yourself just with like a little bit of honey or agave or you can make sort of like chocolate truffles with good quality cacao but make something yourself because then you know what's in it Mm. and then you know it's not as bad but something I've done is um bought the sort of 70% chocolate and just had a couple of squares of there it's quite impossible to binge on a bar of 70% (laughs) dark chocolate I remember years ago going to balance on the king's road and having a um colonic irrigation and a, a sensitivity test and I was told um I think as you told me as well that like you don't process lactose very well but you're not intolerant and then she said so have goat's cheese and dark chocolate well I did several kilograms in the first week <laughs> where there's a will there's a way <laughs> I can get through a kilogram of dark chocolate in one sitting so when people say you can't binge on it I'm like oh I've got the data to prove you wrong. yeah but I'm happy to be an outlier um, I could honestly talk to you for hours, but I know that you've, um, you're a very busy doctor. And um, so maybe what we can do is we can get you back again, because I feel as though we probably touched the surface of a lot. But I think what you and I were both really adamant about doing with this episode was talking about um, really the accountability and the honesty and getting in tune with what's going on with you in order to be yeah. able to, to make that, um, to make the progress that you want to make. Yeah, definitely. I think that is... That is the real key to all of these things, just kind of getting to know yourself better, accepting who you are and where you are, and just looking to be a tiny bit better every day. And if you have a bad day, that's okay. Don't give up. You just start again. Just really being kind to yourself, I think, will make all the difference for your health. And it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but look, as a doctor, I've been a doctor since uh, 2003, I have worked in every hospital department going. I've been a full-time GP. I work privately, mainly with a female population base. And I know that out of all of that, the real key thing is what's going on up here. And that's why I think it's really, really important. So don't minimise the effect your mind has on your health. 
what a brilliant place at which to end. Now, listeners, I will put in the links to, because we've talked about it loads, actually, the tiredness gear, <laughs> and also the links to your social media and how people can get an appointment with you. And I always have to caveat this because what I feel I do with all my lovely dermatologist friends as well is I say, follow these people. You're in clinic all day and your Instagram is not free clinic. But I know that you are very good about getting back to people and trying to trying to engage. But um, I always I always feel this sense of responsibility now that I need to say, <laughs> just because you're on Instagram doesn't mean you give free medical advice over PM because <laughs> you can't do that. But um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I can't. Yeah, I can't give individual advice. But you know, if, if there's a, a bit of signposting I can do, guide people in the right direction. You know, I'm very happy to do that. So I've got no issues with that lovely it's been a pleasure to talk to you thank you for coming back and i'm sure you'll be back again very very soon yeah i look forward to it really good to talk to you again as well thank you so much for listening to that episode of the emma gun show i do hope you enjoyed it i appreciate your time hugely if you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode you have to answer a couple of questions but we cannot wait to see you there come over and join the conversation thank you so much for listening i will see you on the next one When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.